Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I, uh, thinking, well, let me just kind of bring you up to date. Uh, today's August, or September the 20th. One month ago today, August the 20th, I was in an ATV accident. I broke a vertebrae, broke three ribs, had a lacerated liver and a punctured lung. And uh, I was in bad shape. Somebody asked me the other day how I'm feeling. I said, well, I don't feel like I have a, a lacerated liver, a punctured lung, three broken ribs or a broken vertebrae. I said, I went through all of that and I still have a sinus problem. <laughs> Seriously, God. <laughs> I mean, I got to tell you, I am so grateful. Uh, I just praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, so August the 20th, uh, I was, uh, as Nina mentioned, I was surveying with one of Sal's employees, and uh, we were both on ATVs, uh, setting uh, corners on different uh, property points, and uh, some equipment broke down, and I uh, and his uh, employee, Paul, had to go back. And it was about an hour and a half round trip for Paul and uh, he was just going to check on a piece of equipment, and uh, I was going to go up to the cabin and make us both lunch, so when he came back, we could eat together. So uh, we're driving. I'm in front, uh, driving way too fast, uh, but I kept stopping and checking on him to make sure that he was with me, and the last time I saw him, I looked over my shoulder, and uh, he was uh, about 200 yards behind me, but what I didn't realize is the road had turned right and I had gone straight. Uh, I was, uh, my bike and I were probably about 20 yards off the road, down in a canyon, and I just thought, well, you know, first of all, after the accident, I tried to lay the bike down and, uh, I mean, I remember looking up and seeing boulders and my bike and myself just uh, going down a very, very steep incline. Uh, and when everything came to rest, uh, when everything came to rest, I'm lying there and on my, you know, just kind of like on my back, just probably just about like this. And I start, you know, moving things, you know, trying, you know, kind of going through, can I, do I still have feeling in my fingers? Can I move my fingers? Can I move my feet? Uh, I knew I was in pain, but couldn't really tell where it was coming from until I stood up. And when I stood up, I mean, I just, I, I was just like doubled over. And I looked around me and I saw that uh, further from the bike, further downhill, was a bottle of water that I was carrying and also a little uh, cranberry apple juice. And uh, I just thought, I've got to get one of those. And the cranberry apple juice was closer, so I had to walk further down the hill to get that. Uh, and then... This just incredible trip, and it wasn't that far, probably about from here to uh, our sound booth, maybe not quite that far, but it was really a steep, steep incline, and I am taking steps, I mean, just like this, uh, just, I just can't walk. And finally, because I thought if I, if, you know, I was hoping that when he passed by, uh, that he would he would see me or hear me, and of course when he drove by, I yelled, "Paul, Paul!" And you know he just kind of kept going, and man, my heart just sunk, and I just thought, Ron, if you don't get out of this hole, you're going to die here because nobody's going to find you. You couldn't see me from the road unless you got out of your car and went and kind of peered down into this uh, canyon. And so I started up. I thought if I could just get to the road. I think somebody will find me. I don't know how long it'll take, but I believe that in a uh, another uh, hour or two he would be coming. And I was about two miles from our cabin, and I just start I just started walking. And uh, sh finally he showed up. He picked me up. Uh, went back and got a truck. Picked me up. Tried to call nine one one without service. By the way, I thought we had nine one one anywhere. I'm dialing nine one one like a steroid freak. You know, it's like. 
Help, help, help. No service, no service, no service. And so uh, he shows up, gets me, uh, no service at the cabin. We drive over the hill. He gets service and calls Angel Fire. And they met us with an ambulance on the highway. Uh, at that point, I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm just dying, dying to take a breath. Good, just a good breath of air without pain all through my side. Everything was just like in, in ten, pain like I've never experienced before. And uh, getting the ambulance, and uh, once I got to the ambulance, we, was on a, we were on a paved road, uh, and uh, they took me to the Angel Fire uh, Airport and put me on a helicopter and sent me to uh, Santa Fe. I am just like incredibly uh, conscious of almost of everything that happened to me from the, and aware, and, and just detail of everything that happened until I got to the airport. And once I got on the helicopter, and the helicopter started flying to Santa Fe, I guess I'm going to just tell you this, and I, I'm, I'm going to cut this short because I don't want this to be about me. I don't want this service to be about me this morning. I want it to be about God. But once I got on the helicopter, uh, I don't know how long it took them to, uh, to fly to Santa Fe. Uh, but, I, I mean, with that, within seconds of being on that helicopter, uh, something happened. And what it was, it was just like I entered into, and it's just so hard to explain. If, you know, if I could just ask you to imagine a place that you've never been before. I want you to describe to me a place you've never been before. Uh, you can't recognize it with sight. You can't recognize it with hearing. You can't recognize it with feel. You can't recognize it with taste. It's just a new dimension. I've never been in before. I'm in this new dimension. And uh, at first I was very curious. It's like, What's going on on my right side were these just incredibly brilliant lights. And I realized that I'm traveling at the speed of light. I, I see beams uh, like light rays and myself are traveling together. And what looked like, uh, you know, the end, uh, there was a cross section of uh, like brilliant LED, almost laser lights going across this direction here. And I'm just kind of like, you know, I mean, I'm trying to figure out what it is. I mean, where am I? What's going on? And I remember thinking, and I'm going to just share with you the last couple of thoughts that I had. But I remember thinking, what the, one, not the last thought, but I, I was just saying, what's going on? What's going, what's happening? What's happening to me? And I heard, uh, not a voice, but somehow I, I was just this impression, you're dying. You are dying. And you're entering into death. And as I, when I heard that, it was like, I, I, I you know, I started to panic just with, you know, and I don't even know what I'm, it's just like, I don't even know if I'm, I'm you know, Paul talks about it in Second Corinthians chapter 12. He talks about, I know a man. And, uh, you know, he had this visitation to God. He says, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. And that's just kind of the way I am right now. I don't know, you know, if I was out of my body, in my body. Uh, all I can tell you is, you know, and I know it's so, it's hard. It's so hard to explain this. Uh, but one of the last thoughts I had is that you're dying. And I, I begin to get a little bit alarmed. And, uh, and, and I thought, you know, I, I didn't really know if I wanted to die or not. And uh, I, I, again, just moving at the same speed of light that these rays are moving forward. And there was just all kind of just like, I don't even know how to explain it. There was just things that were happening, you know, just around all of this light. And... Uh, then I, as I, we, I went further, as I'm moving further, this just kind of a peace and a calm came over me. 
And I thought, you know, the fear left. And I thought, wait a second. Wait a second. You know, if this is dying, this is not bad. And then I began to think, yes, Lord, just I'm comfortable. Just let it happen. Let it happen, God. I'm, I'm just yours. I'm just yours. I'm just. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not. I'm going to yield. I'm going to yield to whatever you're doing right now, and wherever I'm going, I'm going to yield to that. And you know. And then about that time, and I have to tell you that uh, I, I don't think I haven't told this story to Nina, and Nina has never shared with me what she said to you this morning, but I felt. God's saying, not yet. And as soon as I heard that, uh, I, I was awake. I was familiar with my surroundings. We were at the hospital, and it was just, you know, scurry with doctors and nurses, cutting off my clothes, uh, asking my, my name, signing papers, uh, and then I, I, I just want to, you know, uh, just tell you that just uh, in that room, I know that all of you were praying, and I want to thank you for that. But the nurse came in and told me, she said, look, there's a, a lot of people outside that want to come in. And I have to just tell you that it's only two at a time, two minutes at a time, and only immediate family. And so here you come, two by two. <laughs> And she again came over to the bed after about uh, six or six pair of you, 12 of you came in and she said, I need to remind you again, Mr. Sebesta, that it's uh, only, only two and immediate family. You guys just kept coming. And she's looking at me. And finally, B. Johnson, and I believe it was B. You guys know B. And when B hit the door, the nurse looks at me and she says, really? <laughs> I uh, was uh, 18 days in the hospital. Two, two weeks of that was ICU. Uh, I, I, I will say this and then I'm going to just get on with the message. Uh, my uh, physical therapist came in with a, a walker, guy asked me if well, I wanted to take a walk. I'll be sure. So he puts me on the walker. We do a walk around the kind of all of the rooms, make the circle. He says, you know what? I don't think you need a walker. He gave me a cane. He said, try this. And we walked about halfway around. And I gave him the cane back, and I started walking. I was just, you know, just... And this guy... Just a, just a testimony to uh, God and the power of prayer for healing. Uh, he came into my room after we had done a couple of walks, and he said, Ron, I've got to say something to you. He said, I've been a physical therapist for 20 years. And he says, I've been five years here at St. Christus and 15 years at other places. And he said, I've never in my life, in my 20 years of, bi of being in this business as a physical therapist, seen someone come in with the damage that you have and has got up so quickly and recovered. And that's just a testimony to God. That is a testimony to God. Uh, just one more, one more thought. In the hospital room that I was in, uh, honestly, I, and I just, I just can't explain it, but for the first three days... I, I never felt like my body was in the bed. I felt like I was about three or four inches above the, uh, the bed. And at night when the nurses were, would leave, I would see uh, like angels for those first three nights, like in my peripheral uh, vision, just out here to the side, just scurrying and working and just sh uh, shadow silhouettes with this uh, like an LED yellow line kind of around them. And uh, 
and they had pots and basins and just kind of like walking around. And I, I thought, you know, I mean, those are, is that wash? What are they doing? Am I bleeding? Are they washing me? And I, I felt like the Lord just saying, these are ministering spirits that I've sent to minister to you. All right. So that's my story as clearly as I can remember it. Um, uh, let's see, 18 days after I got out of the hospital, I walked out of the hospital, and uh, today is one month since the accident. Today, uh, the accident was August the 20th. I want to, uh, I just want to uh, use that story as a springboard to the message that I want to bring you this morning. I'm going to be sharing out of Psalm 23. And guys, if you have been around church long enough and you've visited churches, you know that every one of them has a different flavor of their, uh, their theology. Some churches' theology would be different. That's why some of you are here today. You, you, know, you enjoy, uh, hopefully, uh, the, our worship team and our church and the messages that you receive from that uh, fun and handsome guy that my wife... Uh, that, that hasn't changed anyway, either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you've been around church long enough, you will know that there's just things that churches tend to focus on. It's either, you know, people that just completely don't believe Jesus at all, uh, or there are those that believe, but believe that God has done everything for them. In other words, that you are the center of the universe, and you've probably heard this story before, when the third of the angels fell, God was lonely and wanted to have fellowship, and so he created man uh, that he knew was going to be disobedient, rebellious, adulterous, idolatrous, you know, so that he could enjoy our company. And I say, really? Is that why God created us? And so, if you look at that, and I, I just want to, I, and I, I can take you to a, a hundred scriptures where we could camp there, and I could show you exactly what I'm talking about. But let's just begin by reading out of Psalm 23. Um, it's, uh, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, I'm guessing there aren't any shepherds in here this morning, but that's what a shepherd does. He watches over the sheep, takes care of the sheep. So uh, sounds like God is for me, right? The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, I shall not want. Sounds like God is for me. Uh, he's taken care of me. I'm not going to be uh, have any lack or any want in my life. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I mean, I mean, who could ask for more? This God is doing all of this for me. He leads me beside still waters. Uh, he restores my soul. Who wouldn't want that? I mean, that's what a, a shepherd do, does. And it says, uh, you know, I mean, just think about it. I mean, doesn't it sound like God is for you? Doesn't it sound like God is into you? I mean, the shepherd, I mean, you won't uh, have any need in your life, any lack in your life, any want in your life. I mean, he, he provides for you, uh, whether it's physical or spiritual. He leads you bef- beside still waters. Those of you that are troubled in soul and spirit right now, he leads you besides those peaceful, quiet waters, and he restores your soul. I mean, doesn't it sound like, seriously, doesn't it sound like God is into you? That, it's all, that this is all about you, really? Okay, it sounds that way until we read the next verse. And so when we go to the next verse, it says that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake, for his great namesake. And so I I know that some of you are kind of struggling with that. So I want to, I just want to, I want to demonstrate through the scriptures, the underlying motive of God is that God is about God. And God, while He loves you like a shepherd and He cares for you and He's concerned about your welfare and your well-being and your provision and your protection and He's concerned about all of those things, God's underlying reason for that 
is that God is about God and wants the entire universe to know that He is God. Uh, now let me show you, a, I'm just going to run through this, okay? Uh, Exodus 14, it says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. Now think about it. All of the plagues that the children of Israel were going through, now, I mean, it seems like God was about them. You know, uh, you know, while there was flies and blood and lice and darkness over the land, uh, and the land of Goshen, none of that stuff was happening. And you go through all of the plagues that it sounds like God is about, you know, people. God is about mankind and He's doing this all for mankind. And then it goes on to say, He said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. And listen to what he says. I will get glory over Pharaoh and all of his hosts and the Egyptians will know that I am God. Yes, he loves the children of Israel. But remember what he said, even when he delivered them and took them into the promised land, he said, you know, I loved you, not because you were great. He, you were, he said, you were a stiff-necked and rebellious people. I didn't love you because you were the greatest of the nations. He says, because look at how you are and what you've seen and what you've been through and how you're treating me today. Let's keep going because I know some of you are just kind of like, it's like, wait a minute, you're starting to jostle me. You're rattling me a little bit, and that's good. All right. Second Kings 19.34, he says, For I will defend the city, speaking about uh, Jerusalem, to save it for my own sake and the sake of my servant David. Samuel, First uh, uh, Samuel chapter 12, Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done all of this evil, yet do not turn aside for, from following the Lord, but serve the Lord your God with all your heart, for the Lord will not forsake His people for His great namesake. He's concerned about people, but the overriding motive of God's concern is about His greatness. And then in Isaiah, he says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sin. And then in Psalm 106, it says, our fathers, when they came into Egypt, did not consider the wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but they rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his namesake that he might make, his, uh, make known his power. Habakkuk, uh, for the Lord or the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord uh, as the waters cover the sea. I don't know if any of you have ever been on the sea. You probably have been. If you were there, you probably noticed that everything there is water. Right? It's just like water all around you. And God says that His glory, His glory is going to cover the earth just like the waters everywhere. The glory of God at some point is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And shifting to the New Testament, in the same way, uh, Jesus speaking to His disciples and to us today, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good work and give glory. You, you know, we're doing these things. Yes, we're doing the things that the Lord called us to do, but why do we do them? We do it, we do it because we, God says, let the world see that, and they would give glory, uh, to your Father who is in heaven. This is the words of Jesus from John 7. And he says, the one who speaks on, an, on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of Him who sent Him, it's talking about Jesus seeking the glory of the Father, is true, and in Him there is no falsehood. And then Jesus tells the disciples, whatever you ask in my name, uh, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You see, it's not so much about you. Yes, He loves you. He's concerned for you. He cares about you. But God is out to be about God and bringing glory to himself. And then he goes on to say, uh, this is uh, in the great trial prior to his uh, 
to his crucifixion, that he says, my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And a cry came from heaven saying, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, so whether, now think about this. This is the deep one right here. It says, whether you eat or whether you drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now think about that. I can eat to the glory of God. I can work to the glory of God. I can drive an ATV for the glory of God. I, I can. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm, I'm a little hard-headed in some areas, but God has a way to make us to lie down in green pastures. You can bow, or you can have him make you bow. And he's, he prefers you to surrender and to bow. First Peter chapter 2 says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And in Revelation chapter 21, 23, it's talking about the city that has no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it. Listen. Because the glory of God will give it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Now think about that. All that that the sun does. I mean, everything that we have, we're here today because the sun is shining. You take away the sun, uh, you know, there's darkness everywhere. There's no growth. uh, uh, You know, it's just like, you know, it warms us. It's set at just, you know, the right temperature to just protect the entire world. And every, Jesus said, everything that the Son is doing now, I will do for you and the future. The city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. All right. Any doubters? God is about God. And God wants glory. And while he loves us again, I don't want you, I don't, I'm not negating that. I mean, it's obvious that God loves us. But God's motivation for loving us and providing everything that we need is that he would get the glory. So, when we move to, uh, I want to jump to, I just want to give you an example of the Apostle Paul uh, working his life and living his life for the glory of God. It says that they, speaking about Paul and Barnabas, this is in Acts chapter 14. uh, This is right after, I mean, just before this story right here. uh, It says that they'd healed a lame man, I believe it was in Lystra, and uh, no, maybe it was Derby, I can't remember. But uh, they healed a lame man, The, the, the citizens came out, and made sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. And Paul says, please, please, please don't do this. You know, we're men just like you. We're men just like you. And then the crowd decided to stone him to death. And I believe that it is in this. It says they gathered around Paul and Silas, and in particular, I mean, Paul and Barnabas, but I think in particular, Paul, and everybody assumed that he was dead. And I believe that it was at that point where he makes that statement, I believe that that's where it happened in his ministry, where he was actually killed, ascended into heaven, and spent that time before the throne of God. But it says they preached in that city, what a large number of disciples, and they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, and they, listen to this, and they strengthened the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith, and Paul says, listen to what he says, we, he wasn't just talking about him and Barnabas, he was talking about he, or we, uh, speaking about all of us, must go through much hardship or tribulation to enter the kingdom of God. And uh, 
And then I jump to 2 Corinthians, and Paul gives a little resume uh, about his life. And he says, in the the short term of his ministry, these are the things that has taken place. He says, five times I received, five times, five separate occasions, I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with a rod. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in dangers from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in dangers from my fellow Jews, in dangers from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep, and I have known hunger and thirst and often gone without food, and I have been cold and naked. And you know what all of that did? It brought glory to God. All of that brought glory to God. And, and, and you know, I look at this, and I start reading this list of things that, that Paul's talking about. By the way, I mean, on one of those shipwrecks, he, they swim ashore. Paul gathers some sticks and branches to build a fire and gets snake bit. At what point do you say, Lord, I'm serving you. I, I, you know, are, are you there? I mean, I, I mean, look at this. Five times, 40 lashes. I mean, how many times can you do that? You know, three times, beaten with a rod, shipwrecked, three times, spending a day and night in the sea. All of these things, the cold, the hunger, all of that. I mean, how does a man do that? Only by the grace of God. Isn't it? Isn't it only by the grace of God. The trials that many of us go through and, and, and that we come out of are only by the grace of God. And again, I just say that because you are not the center of the universe and, and the universe doesn't revolve around you and, and, and the earth doesn't revolve around you. And if you begin to think that, and if you begin to think uh, that, that it's all about you, I'm telling you, you're headed for a crash. You're headed for a solid wall. And, and, you know, there will be times in your life where God will allow you to uh, suffer loss and you will be beaten and you will bleed and there will be brokenness in your life. And, you know, all of these things, I mean, you know, Solomon says in the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, and I believe that all of us, I mean, he says this. He says, there will come a day when you will wish that you were not even born. That you wish that you had not even lived upon this planet because of all of the sorrow and affliction that's coming your way, that is headed your way. Now, I'm not speaking that on you. I'm just saying that in this life, there are going to be troubles in our life. And if we do not have an, if we are not anchored correctly and, and theologically in the Word of God, uh, you can see in the scripture where it says that many turned away. It just didn't line up with their theology. And so many turned away from following Jesus. And so, uh, now, listen, I mean, as I, as I think about this and I think, you know, how did Paul do this? Only. It wasn't in his strength. In fact, he says that, I think in Second uh, Corinthians 11, uh, just before he talks about having that encounter with God, he says that, um, he said that, that God had even given him, in the middle of all of that, a thorn in his, in his side to keep him humble. And he says that in his weakness, God's strength was seen by the world and, was, and God was glorified because of his weakness. Um, so, I love this about this man. You know, he wrote uh, uh, about 70% of the New Testament a lot of it from jail, uh, but you could not keep him down. You could not keep him down. 
you know, when they said, uh, you know, we'll kill you, he said, to die is gain. When they said, well, we'll just let you live, he says, well, for me to live is Christ. He says, well, we'll torture you. And Paul says, I consider that the present sufferings of this world are not even comparable with the glory that we, uh, that will be revealed in us. Well, we'll put you in prison then. He says, well, give me a, give me a hymnal. I'll convert all your, gu- all your gu- guards and they'll be singing praises and glory to God. I'll send an earthquake. I'll tear down your prison. I'll convert your guards. Uh, I'll break the locks off of them. I'll tear down the chains. I'll tear open the doors. And he said, do whatever you want to to me. You can't harm me. You can't touch me. I'm untouchable because of the glory of God. All right, I'm wrapping it up. That means I'm about halfway through. <laughs> uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. It says that he predestined. Don't get hung up on that. It just simply means that he determined beforehand. He predestined us adoption to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will to the praise of his glory or to the praise of the glory of his grace. To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved, speaking about Jesus. In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Now, the Bible says, as you know this, I don't have to get in your face and tell you you're a sinner. The Holy Spirit will do that. He will begin to convict, convict your heart. But he says, let me read it to you again, that through him we have redemption through his blood. We also have the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So we call that in church the great exchange, where God took all of your wickedness, all of your idolatry, all of your adultery, all of your covetousness, all of your bitterness, all of your unforgiveness, all of the sin, your yesterday sin, your today's sin, and your tomorrow sin. And he took all of that and placed it on Jesus. And he took all of that and placed it on Jesus. And he took the goodness of Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, and put that on you. Now let me tell you guys that I know that when we look in our lives, we see that we are not perfect. But I'm, I'm telling you, that God loves you just the way you are. Not some future version of what you're going to look like. Not in the future. He's not looking at you too in glory saying, I love them. He loves you right now just the way you are. And he's inviting you today. Because remember, uh, Peter says that there is no salvation given to men whereby they could be saved, except in the name of Jesus Christ. He's calling you today. He's calling you today. Now, some of you, you know, we don't know. I mean, I woke up that morning, August the 20th, thinking that, you know, life is good. Ranch is beautiful. Sun's coming up. Beautiful day. Yeah, you know, I didn't know that four, four hours later, I'd be flying to Santa Fe in a helicopter, you know, thinking that I was dying. 
and maybe I was. But I'm telling you that there's coming a day for each one of us. And now is the time that we, you know, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. God's calling you right now. God's calling you right now. I had someone tell me a couple of days ago, I know why God spared your life. Because God is not through with me. And he wants to use you to get to me. I don't know if that's true or not. I, honestly, I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. But I, I'm telling you today, guys, if there's someone, anybody in this room today that doesn't know Jesus Christ, don't walk out of this room without receiving him. You know, the Bible says that you're going to live forever. Uh, you, you may not understand that completely, but you're going to live forever. But there's two places the Bible says that you are going to live. You're either going to live with God or you're going to live separated and apart from God. Now, let me just say that, you know, God doesn't want your, your begrudging submission to Him so that you can escape hell. Heaven wasn't made for people that don't want to go to hell. Heaven was made for people that honestly, truly love the Lord their God with all of their heart and all of their soul and all of their mind. That's what heaven's about. I want to be with God. I want to be with God. All right. You know, I I talked about, and I know that some of you are in this place right now, that, and I don't want to diminish it, and I don't want to make small of it, but some of you are broken, and some of you are bent, and some of you are wearied and spent. It kind of rhymes. All right. Orlando, write that down. Uh, (laughs) But seriously, I mean, some of you are ready to throw your hands up, and some of you are frustrated with life, and you're frustrated with your job, and you're frustrated with your family, your husband or your wife. You're just, you're living a frustrated life. I mean, you get up in the morning, you start driving, somebody cuts you off. You get frustrated. Why? Because life is about you. You're the center of, of the universe. You're the center of this world. You get to work and, and somebody says something to you. Uh, they make a remark about you and, you know, you're frustrated. You're frustrated because life is about you. But when life is about God and living for the glory of God, those things are just like the guy that cut you off. You know, bless you, man. I'll pull over. You need, you need the road? I'll pull over and I'll, I'll wait a minute. Take the road. And if you feel like you need the left lane every day getting to work, slow down! <laughs> Leave the house earlier. Get out of the left lane. Get the right lane and praise God in the work. Amen? I mean, we, are, we live in such a rush, rush society. Just stop. Pull over. I'm just going to take a moment. Lord, uh, this is killing me. i got to just stop and praise your name. Lord, you're wonderful. You're wonderful, Lord. Make sure you pull over before you do that. So, God is more concerned with your comfort, not with your comfort, but he's concerned... Uh, Not so much even about your happiness. You know how happiness fades? Let me tell you. You know, you're thinking about this, uh, a sports car, a new boat, a new house, uh, and you think about it, and you dwell on it. And for months and months and months, you dwell on it, you got to have it, and finally the, the big day comes, you've got the money, you go down, you pick out that bright red or black, shiny new car. I mean, it's just loaded to the hilt. Loaded to the hilt. And you're happy. You're happy. And you're so happy that when you park at the grocery store, you park kind of taking up two spots. You know, you've seen it, I've seen it. And you park way at the end of the lot. And you don't mind walking to the store because you're happy. But then when you're bringing your groceries back and find out somebody keyed your car. Oh my gosh. 
happiness just went out the window. <laughs> happiness is gone. Happiness is fleeting. It doesn't remain forever. But the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord, it remains. It remains. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You have made known to me the path of life. And you will fill me with joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand. That's why when David sinned against the Lord, and just think about this. I mean, you know, David, I mean, I know that a lot of you in here feel like maybe you're too great a sinner. But let me ask you this. You know, how many of you, there may be a few, you know, that had an adulterous relationship you know, that you slept with another, uh, another man's wife. I mean, if I were to ask to raise your hands, I, you know, there might be some that would go up. But let me ask you this. Did you have her husband killed? But that's what David did. Did you have her husband killed? I don't think anybody would raise their hand. You think that you are a great sinner. Well, let me tell you, according to the Apostle Paul, you're JV, you're junior varsity when it comes to sinning. You know what he said? I mean, how many of you have ever persecuted Christians? Some of you may have. Before you came to the Lord, you might have made fun of those that were around you. But how many of you have had them arrested and put in prison and killed some. And Paul says to the young man, Timothy, he says, I'm writing this to you because when it comes to sinners, I am chief. And Jesus Christ died for sinners. God is about God. And when you are faithful and obedient to his word, great joy will overpower you like you've never known. And all of these trials that you face, God will give you grace to endure. Close your eyes for just a second. I know the Holy Spirit's speaking. I know the Holy Spirit is here right now. But I just want to ask you a question. If today was that day, and you were to die, have you received Jesus Christ and His atoning blood as a sacrifice for your sin? And if you haven't, and you want to, I want you to raise your hand. And I want you to be bold about it. I want you to get your hand up high and say, God, 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 save me. I am a sinner and I want to receive your son Jesus today. Please do not walk out of here without receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see one, two, three, four, five, six. I see six hands up right now. And God, I praise you, Father. I praise you, I praise you. I praise you, O God. I praise you, Heavenly Father. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, O God. Blessed be your name. And for those of you that did raise your hand, I would just ask you to just follow along in this prayer. Father, I know that I've sinned against you. And that I've done just about every sin in the book. Lord, I believe that although I have great sin in my past and in my present, God, that today your son Jesus can come into my life because He's greater than any sin I've ever had or will have. And His blood, oh, His blood, His blood. Isaiah said, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sin is like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And God says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Oh God, come into my life. Come into my life. 
Come in and lead me and guide me. Your word says that you will lead me in paths of righteousness for your great name's sake. God, let my life be about you and about your glory. Let me share the glory of God. Let me share my testimony. Let me tell the world about the great things God has done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Would you stand up, please? I just want to tell you that uh, uh, I, I love you guys so much. Uh, you know, this is, uh, I'm going on 15 years as being a pastor to this church. And uh, there have been a lot of great things that I've done in life. I have lived life, I, f- I feel like, to the fullest. I, I, you know, those of you that know me, I live life on the edge. I live my spiritual life on the edge. I live my natural life on the edge. I do not want to grow old sitting on the couch. And so I am my, I'm dedicated. My wife is dedicated to you and this church. I I don't know where, I, don't be, I just need to set a couple of things straight before you walk out the door. I, I, somehow, there was a rumor started that I was getting ready to retire. Uh, I don't know where that came from. I, I'm not retired. I love God. I mean, I love God. I, I will never, 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 never retire. I'm just telling you that God's going to take me out, or I'm going to die right here at this pulpit, and I hope I could die preaching the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Father, I just pray that you would bless your people. God, make us constantly aware that the world is not about us. Help us to, uh, just with your grace, to step back. Let others that, you know, insist on being first, uh, let them go. Uh, When you talk about love and the love chapter of Corinthians, it says that love does not insist on having its own way. So, Father, I pray that whether it's with our wife or with our husband, at work or on the way to work, Father, that you would just give us grace. Anoint us with grace to declare the glory of God. And God's people said, Amen! Amen! Praise God! He is worthy. Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! God bless you guys. Love you.